All right, welcome back, roommates. I know it's been quite a little while since we've last spoke. Uh, I know uh, life's been just very crazy for me the last couple of weeks, which is why I've uh, held off with recording another episode, because I know in the last episode, uh, I dropped a huge announcement that Natalie and I are pregnant. We are expecting baby number two uh, in January, and I am now so happy and so excited to add on to that huge announcement by letting you all know we are having a baby girl, and I am so excited. I know Natalie's over the moon excited for her daughter to be born and of course i am as well uh, and it's funny a really quick story uh natalie and i even before we got married you know we talked about you know wanting kids and she asked me like oh would, would you like do you want a boy do you want a girl i'm like i want both you know I, I i want to have the experience of being a father to a son as well as a daughter and it's just i'm excited for me to be a father of a daughter uh, I am excited for Natalie to have her little girl that she can go shopping with and be all girly with and do their hair and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And I get to do all that with Eli, of course. I mean, oh my gosh, I love getting Eli, you know, haircuts and dressing him up. Um, he looks like a little dude. It's so cool. You know, it's just exciting and thrilling. And I cannot wait to meet her. Uh, and then. Uh, on top of that big announcement, another huge announcement, which is going to be what I talk about later on this episode. Um, big announcement is that I have uh, landed a job cl much closer to home, still teaching. And I'm leaving what I am co now comfortable saying was a not so great work environment. Uh, and it's nothing bad about the people I work directly with, but it was just overall it was just not a great place for me uh and you know not every shoe fits and that's what i have to you know be okay with uh and i am now going to be much closer to home continuing to do what i love to do uh which is teach and uh and it's also going to be an opportunity for me to be at home more especially with another baby coming you know uh it doesn't come without sacrifices and you know not to get into it but i mean it is what it is you know i'm starting a new stage of my career um and a new place and so in many ways i'm going to be low man on the totem pole which is fine uh and it's also another opportunity again for me to just learn from uh people who have been doing what they've been doing for many many years and so uh i get to you know grow my network and hopefully also be rooted hopefully in a place where I can call home uh, for my career. Uh, and at this point in my career, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, but I say all of that to say that this week, we're gonna be focusing on my job history. And there's no greater way for me to do that than to share with you a little bit about my very first job. Uh, and then after that, I'm so excited to do my very first real review of like one piece of you know movie and tv and so instead of doing a top five i'm going to do a breakdown of something that i watched recently uh and it is going to be awesome i'm excited for it uh and again i don't know where this whole podcasting thing is taking me i'm really happy that you've decided to stop by 
and be a roommate for the time being. Um, be sure to subscribe, whether it's through Spotify or through Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a comment. Reach out to me. You can reach me right here in the comments. I read them all the time. I mean, there's not really many comments anyway, but I, I have received feedback. So if any way that you can reach out to me and say, hey, man, I'm listening, or even say, hey, why don't you try doing this? Or, hey, I have a question that I want you to answer. Feel free. I mean, I, I'm, it's an open door for me to just invite all of you all into Joe's room. Joe's room has an open door. <laughs> all right. So without further ado, here we go. Let's get into my first job. So when I was about 13, 14 years old, I had a pretty good grasp at how money worked. I knew that if there was something that I really, really wanted, I couldn't just sit there and just expect my mom or my family to just buy it for me. I knew that there was a way that I needed to earn money. And so um, around 14 years old, 15 years old, uh, I know that there was a lot of people in my high school, my age and my grade, going into guidance and getting their working papers, their working permits, and so uh, so that they could just start working. And uh, I mean, at the same time, you know, like I said in my last episode, uh, I had friends who were a little bit older, like Bill, for instance, uh, who had already who had been working. And so uh, around the same time that everyone started getting their working papers, I decided to get my working papers, and I just started applying everywhere that I could. Now, at the same time, again, this is now 14 years old, uh, I am in the 10th grade, I am well uh, established as someone who is in like the drama club and in, in, in chorus and in music stuff, uh, and so a lot of the people that I was you know, in the clubs with and those types of clubs, uh, they all applied to the same place. And they said, hey, Joe, why don't you apply as well? And it was a place called Coldstone Creamery. The reason why I thought it was a suitable place for me, as well as a lot of people at the time who were in the drama club, is that because uh, at the time, at least the way that I was trained, um, was very de- uh, dependent on the employees being as theatrical and as enthusiastic as possible. Uh, from the moment that a customer walked into the the store to the time that they leave, it was like a performance. And that, that was the mentality that I had until I pretty much left. So when I first started at Cold Stone, again, I was like 15 years old. They took me because I had a lot of connections with the people who you know were in drama club at the time. And they all started there, um, and they taught me a lot of the songs. And the reason why I had to learn songs is because that's how I, you know, I guess, you know, entertained the the guests while they were there. Um, And, you know, because anytime they gave us a tip, we had to say, hey, guys, we got a tip. And everyone goes, all right. And there's a bunch of different songs. And one person just starts a song, and everyone chimes in. And it was actually really cool because – a lot of us came from that theater, music theater background. And so, like, when we sang the songs, they, they sounded pretty good. And people kept coming, and people knew about it. And there were lines out the door for the first several months, if not the first several years. 
uh, because they knew that they were in for a little bit of entertainment, along with pretty good ice cream. And so I started working there when I was 15 years old. And one by one, a lot of the people from the drama club, you know, left the store. Um, and I, but I stayed. And of course, it wasn't just drama club people. There's a lot of people from all over, uh, you know, working there. And I just stayed there for years upon years upon years. Uh, and it was just like year after year, um, just doing the same thing, maintaining the same level of enthusiasm, uh, level of energy. And it was fun. Uh, and, and then it turned out to be not so fun. Well, not so much not so fun. It was just, you know, I was getting older. Uh, finally, I had a car and I could drive and I drove myself to work. And because of that, uh, they said, hey, Joe, we want to promote you to manager. And so I was like one of like seven different managers. And they gave me a key to the store. They gave me the whatever manager codes or whatever so that I could uh, count the register at the end of the night and have a little bit more responsibility. Uh, and so that was a pretty cool experience at first because I was making a little bit more money. Uh, and I was also, you know, I felt like I was more responsible. Uh, I look at it back then like, wow, I had all this responsibility. But to be honest, I didn't really take the responsibility seriously. And that's my fault. You know, uh, I was still a kid, I felt like, you know, I was 16 years old, 17 years old, and said, hey, you're in charge of, you know, opening the store when you do an opening shift or a closing shift, you know, uh, and I had to lock up and make sure everything's nice and clean. And there was plenty of times where I got a good yelling at because I w was fooling around or I was fooling around with the people I was working with and I didn't close properly. You know, there was only a few times. I mean, I was, I was a pretty good manager, and especially with the customers, I was always uh, one of the ones who were, like, always on the stone, like, making ice cream while people in the back were n not as um, diligent working, you know. Uh, and it is what it is. And I didn't see eye to eye with a bunch of other people there, uh, and it was what it was. Um but what I do recall from my time at Coldstone was that, you know, it gave me some opportunity to earn a little money. Uh, it allowed me to, like I said, saved up enough money to uh, buy a used car from uh, my brother's uh, girlfriend at the time. And that car, you know, held up for a number of years. Um, and, it, it, you know, it was... Just re it's all reminiscent of a time where I felt like, you know, things were just easy. The job itself was fun to a point. Uh, one fun, really cool thing that I was able to do, and not a lot of people can say that they did, but um, the owner of the Cold Stone also owned a couple other stores. Uh, he owned one in the Hamptons where... Uh, someone, a representative for a certain celebrity came in and said, hey, uh, my celebrity that I work for throws a huge party in the Hamptons every um, Labor Day weekend, and, and he wants Cold Stone there at the party. And so uh, at this time, I had already graduated high school, uh, and it was about the time that I was going to leave for college, 
Uh, and at the time, I was going to go away to Villanova. And so I had said, hey, here's my last day. When I come back on, you know, between semesters, I would love to work a few shifts here and there. Um, without skipping a beat, the owner said, Joe, we're going to need you Labor Day weekend to come back to Long Island because you are going to be one of the four people we want working at, get ready for this, P. Diddy's White Party. That's right. I went to P. Diddy's all-white party in the Hamptons. Uh, it was all-white, meaning that everyone wore white for Labor Day weekend, uh, and we had strict instructions that we could not wear any shade of any other color. Even down to our shoes needed to be fully white. Like, it couldn't have, like, the at the time I had, like, those old-school um, uh, Adidas, like, regular Adidas shoes, like, with the three black, you know, the three stripes. I couldn't wear those. I had to find regular white sneakers with white laces on it, with white pants, not khaki, not like light beige. No, it's got to be white. Uh, and so uh, I prepared myself to, to do that, and it was crazy going there. Um, they didn't feed us. I, I, we went hungry thinking that they were going to have like a, like a vendor type of meal there. We didn't. We were able to sneak off and have a little bit of shrimp cocktail. Uh, we had a little bit of fruit. Uh, we made our own ice cream and we like all took turns like eating ice cream and that's what we had like for lunch pretty much and we were just on our feet the whole entire time um, we rigged together using dry ice like a, a, a makeshift stone if you would uh, and so it was like and we had like three or four different flavors of ice cream and just a few different mix-ins and so we couldn't make everything that was on the menu but it was nuts being there just right by the pool, seeing P. Diddy come up to us and saying, hey, how's it going? Thanks for coming out. Um, and he even said uh, that, like, oh, we got there at, like, let's say it was, like, 1 o'clock. They wanted really the Cold Stone to be there for just dessert. And so we ended up just standing there for a couple hours. People coming up and saying, hey, can we have ice cream? And we always had, we had to say, unfortunately, no. But then there was, like, other people – uh, I'm not going to name any names that we like who are like not so nice to us, but there were a couple celebrities there who came up to us and said, um, no, you're going to give me ice cream. And so we're like, um, okay, and we gave them ice cream. And then P. Diddy came back and was like, oh, what, what's going on? I see people with ice cream. I thought I, still, I thought I said we wanted it you know, for dessert. And then we're just like, no, 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 I'll handle it. I'll handle it. And then he just turns around and leaves and doesn't come back. Uh, and then finally – after everyone has dinner, we're there, um, you know, having ice cream, uh, you know, like making ice cream for everybody. Uh, a couple of people who came up to us, let's see, um, Rev Run's kids came up to us. Uh, I forget their names. I feel like Diggy was, uh, was one of them. Uh, and then one of the daughters came up to us. She specifically wanted cake, uh, birthday cake remix. Uh, we didn't have cake batter, but we had sweet cream. And she's like, oh, I'll just have it with the sweet cream. And so we, I made her a birthday cake remix. Um, one of the Olsen twins was there. I don't know which one it was, uh, but she was absolutely beautiful, like glowing. Like I remember like, oh, my gosh, this girl is beautiful. Um, and so that was cool. Cat uh, Williams was there. Um, if you guys remember the... Uh, TV show from G's to Gents. 
uh, the host of that show. I don't forget his name, but he was there. The, he was the same guy who was also in the Outcast video. Um, uh, I don't know something about roses, something like that. He was in that video, and so um, that was pretty cool. And of course, P Diddy was like the biggest celebrity that we saw at the uh, at the time there. Um, and so that was a cool experience. You know, again, it was just like uh, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, and I could say that I've met a few celebrities here and there. Um, and then after a while, it seemed as though I was never going to leave. Um, I did go away to school. And like I said, when I came back from, uh, you know, semester breaks, I would just pick up a few shifts here and there. But then after that, um, it, for whatever reason, something happened with the, the owner that I was just talking about and the company itself. I don't know if it was money embezzlement. I don't know if it was just like a lack of resources or whatever it was, but they closed down, um, the store, like overall just closed down the store. And I remember actually going because I tried calling ahead of time and no one was answering the phone, and I thought that was weird. Um, this is when I came home after my first year of college, and I was, like, off for the summer. And so I was going to be off from, like, end of May till end of August, and I needed a job. And I couldn't get a hold of anybody, and so I drive to the store only to find that the store had been closed by corporate and so I, like, knock on the door because I still see people in there. And they say, oh, hey, we're closed right now. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm one of the managers here. Uh, I was just off for college. I mean, I was just, you know, in college, and now I'm back for the summer, and I was – I don't know what's going on. And then they told me that they had to – that the store was shut down by corporate and is going to be reopened by corporate in, like, two or three weeks. And I, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and so – they gave me the phone number of someone at corporate who I needed to call to set up an interview. And so I had to interview again for my old job. And I guess it was because the store was just run down. And like I said to you, like one by one, a lot of the people who was originally there had left. Um, and they weren't really replaced by people who were going to be, you know, having the same energy and the same enthusiasm and making the experience for the customer the same. And so um, I can say it is what it is, but, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could have gone a different way for them, uh, but whatever. And so it was a corporate-owned, operated store, independent of all the other stores that the original owner owned. Um, they even hired a, a different manager at the time, uh, and then her name was Mary, and she was really cool uh and i interviewed with her and she hired me pretty much on the spot and put me on the schedule uh and that was pretty cool and then um uh eventually what happened there was that the store was then uh, bought again by a different owner uh a guy named james and who actually still owns the store now and so i guess he's doing pretty good um uh, but James came in as the new owner. Uh, Mary, who was the general manager, uh, left after you know left after a couple of months with that. Uh, there was a couple other general managers, and then instead of calling everyone managers, we were just 
called shift leaders. I still made the same amount of money and still had the same responsibilities, but I technically wasn't just the manager. You know, I was like a shift leader who was in charge of whatever shift I was covering. And so, um, and so that was cool, you know, uh, that the store got a a facelift, so to speak, you know, in a, in a more corporate sense, but it's just never felt the same. Uh, I was the one then teaching certain people a lot of songs that no one ever really wanted to sing. Uh, and then it ended up being there was like one or two songs that was just a go-to song, and that became just the one song that it, that everyone started singing. You know, and I'm like, oh man, we used to have so much fun. So I became like the old guy there, and it's funny because a lot of people who used to work there, who were a little older than me, so they're like well into college, almost graduating college, who would be home, who would want ice cream, and they would come to the store. And they would see me working there. They're like, Joe, you're still here? I'm like, yep, I'm still here. And then, uh, you know, I transferred out of Villanova and I came back home. And so I started working there more regularly. And so more and more I was there. And it became tiresome. And it became something where I felt like I was stuck. I tried applying to different places like Starbucks or uh, or at restaurants or at other places, you know, just to get a job. And I got a few interviews here and there, but no one was going to offer me as much money as I was making at Cold Stone. So I felt I was stuck there. Um, and so I ended up working there up until I was about 20 years old. So you think I was like 15? I was there for five years, you know. Uh, I took maybe a couple of months break for, you know, to go to my first two years of college. But other than that, I was there. I was there during holidays, like I said. I was there uh, during snowstorms. And, oh, my gosh, I was in a shopping center where it was the worst during, like, Christmas season because people would, like, crowd around the Best Buy or, like, the Marshalls and, like, the Home Goods or whatever. And it was just, like... It was a zoo to try and go and park just to go to work during the holiday season. Um, But it taught me, you know, determination and responsibility and sacrifice. It taught me how to grind and how to, like, really just work my butt off. Um, And eventually, uh, when I was ready to, like, really, really leave, uh, I had... Um, decided to uh, apply for a job at my school, uh, at, at college, at St. Joseph's College, on campus as a tutor. And it was a direct, it was like the next step in, my, in the direction that I wanted to go to in terms of teaching. And I figured, well, if I were to apply to be a teacher, it would look good if I was a tutor on campus as opposed to manager at ice cream store, you know. Uh, and I remember the day that I told James I was going to leave, you know, I saw the look in his eyes like, oh, I knew this day was going to come type of thing. And so I told him like, hey, listen, I got to put in my two weeks. Um, it's time for me to go. And at the same time, the general manager was like having like another baby or something like that. I don't remember. And she decided to leave. And James looked at me. He's like, I was going to ask you to be the general manager. I can give you x amount of money uh, but i can't give you more than that and i'm like wow that's like a pretty good amount of money um but i can't handle all of this responsibility and i don't want to be known as the guy who has always been here you know 
And so just, you know, I knew I wasn't going to make as much money as a tutor, but in a, in a way I needed to bet on myself and it's been, and it was so worth it. I mean, I was so thankful for everything that Coldstone gave me, but at the same time, I knew I had to make certain sacrifices for the better good, for the greater good, you know? Um, and that brings me full circle with my own current job situation, you know? Like I said uh, before, and I don't mean to get into anything specific, and I don't mean to, you know, slander anyone or anything like that. This is just my honest opinion that where I was teaching, even now, it's a lesson that I'm taking even now, um, where I was wasn't the best environment for me wasn't the best environment for my family and to be told that I'm not doing what I need to be doing even though I know that I'm doing everything the right way to be told that I am not the level of teacher that I know that I am is very disheartening and I went out on the limb and applied for other jobs and I got a new job which not only validated for me that I am the teacher that I know that I am, but also the fact that I'm going to be somewhere where I'm valued, where it's going to be a better opportunity for my career, and where, you know, all intents and purposes, I'm betting on myself again, where I'm not going to be making nearly as much money as I was at my old school. Kind of like, you know, you know, being, being a tutor, I'm not making an, when I, Got the job as a tutor. I wasn't going to make as much money as I was going to make at Coldstone. But I knew that it was something that I had to do for the greater good. Uh, and so, I mean, it's crazy for me to just make this connection now. Like, literally, as I'm talking to you, I'm making the connection that, wow, like, I've dealt with this same type of thing before. Yes, on a much, much smaller scale. We're talking about the difference between like $8 an hour and like $15 an hour, which is what they were going to offer me, you know? And I was going to be like, yeah, you know what? I could work $15 an hour to be a general manager at Coldstone uh, and be making a pretty good amount of money at the time, but I'm going to work for $8 an hour doing something that I know is going to benefit me in the future. Um and the same thing goes for the teaching positions now. Uh, it's crazy. It is what it is. And that's pretty much my story. And we are back. And so for this week, I am so excited to review... Uh, a movie that just recently came out, and if you know anything about In Joe's Room, you know how much I love nostalgia culture, uh, things that are Nickelodeon in the 90s type of thing is really up my alley. And so for this week, um, I just watched the new Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling movie, which released on Netflix uh, this past couple of weeks. And I've now had enough time to watch it more than once. And I'm now going to do a quick breakdown of my love for Rocco's Modern Life. 
Uh, so a little bit about the show, Rocco's Modern Life premiered in 1993. It ran for four seasons, uh, 52 episodes. Uh, it features uh, Rocco, the well-mannered Australian wallaby living in O-Town. Which is a little bit of a, supposed to be a reflection of like everyday American society. Um, uh, o Town is mostly run by the big corporate conglomerate known as Conglomo, which has the huge skyscraper and it says Conglomo on the top and it says "We own you," and so uh, that's where uh, Rocco's next door neighbor, Mister Bighead, works. Mister Bighead is uh, is the uh, Toad next door, who's got uh, his wife Bev Bighead, uh, the insatiable uh, next door neighbor wife who's oddly into flirting with Rocco, kind of here and there, and is really one of like the more underrated, awesome characters of the show. Other characters include Heifer the steer, Filbert the turtle, uh, Doctor Hutchinson the cat with the hook for a hand. Uh, who marries Filbert, and they have kids. One of them looks like Heifer. Uh, that came from one of the, uh, 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 an episode there. Uh, Heifer, uh, Wolf is his last name because he was raised by wolves. Uh, and I love those episodes that feature uh, Heifer's family. Uh, let's see. A couple of my favorite episodes from the original series. I mean, first I should say, Rocco's Modern Life is pretty much my favorite Nicktoon by all of all time by far bar none favorite nicktoon of all time uh, let's see rocco's modern life favorite episodes really quickly uh include the the weasel scouts episode so many fun funny quotable moments in that episode where uh it doesn't even feature rocco really at all uh heifer and filbert um are enlisted in the weasel scouts and they're far too old to be weasel scouts or you know supposed to be boy scouts um and they find you know some trouble fitting in and heifer really is uh messing up a lot and causing a lot of pain to a lot of people there and uh eventually finds his way into uh the good graces of the whole troop when he um, begins belching or you know burping as, uh, as a talent and to be featured in the Weasel Scout talent show. Um, such a funny episode. Another funny episode that I really, really adored uh, has to be the Recycle episode, which is the musical episode. Um, it's where Rocco wakes up one morning and the whole entire town is all about recycling and cleaning, uh, and has, uh, choreographed and rehearsed songs to sing throughout town all about recycling. And he's like, where did everyone find time to do all this? And it's like, oh, didn't you go to the rehearsals type of thing? And it was such a funny episode. Um, and anyway, I wanted to move on to that i mean it's been years and years and years since uh the last episode of rocco's modern life uh was released uh and it still has such a huge cult following it's still one of many people's favorites um and so they finally uh, released like a trailer for a movie uh this is like what like three years ago i want to say 2016 that they released a trailer to the movie 
Uh, it features, uh, it's actually a spin-off of one specific episode in which Rocco uh, and Filbert and Heifer are all um, in a rocket ship and they uh, are launched into space. And uh, at, th- at that point, uh, Rocco, Filbert, and Heifer are now in space orbiting the Earth for about 20 years. And so finally they find their way back to Earth, to O-Town, and it's 20 years later. And so they're no longer in the 90s. They're in pretty much present day, and they are completely overwhelmed with the amount of technology, with the way life is, um, and that was the whole premise of the movie. Uh, we, and I, when I, and I speak for like the diehard Rocco's Modern Life fans, could not wait for this movie to come out. And they kept delaying it and delaying it and delaying it until finally it was released this past August in 2019. Uh, and it's all about uh, Rocco just wanting to watch his favorite television show, The Fatheads. And he had been um, preserving his love for The Fatheads by continuously watching the same VHS tapes. You heard me right, VHS tapes through the VCR in his house that was, you know, attached to the rocket orbiting wherever. And the three characters just spent the last 20 years watching The Fatheads over and over and over again. They just couldn't stop watching it. Um... And now it gets into my little bit of a breakdown. Uh, first of all, I mean, there's way too many Easter eggs to break down. I mean, you can pretty much frame by frame stop and look at certain things and know that it came from or it's a callback to certain episodes. I want to say it's as far as most, if not all, the uh, episodes of Rocco's Modern Life has a little bit of a callback here in the show. Even if it's a small little appearance by, like, a small little image. Um, for instance, there is that... Uh, it's it's not called G.I. Joe, but there was an episode where Heifer was playing with an old G.I. Joe doll. It was, like, all melted and whatnot because it was exploding or whatever. That's just floating in space. And if you if, you, if only you were, like, a diehard Rocco fan, you wouldn't notice it. You would just think, oh, wow, there's just debris in space. You know, it's, maybe it's a commentary on the amount of litter that's in the ocean, but there's a lot of litter, let's say, out in space. And so finally, uh, they land. Uh, they're adjusting to life 20 years later. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Bighead uh, made his way all the way up the corporate ladder because there was no Rocco and his crazy friends getting in the way of all of his... Um, you know, aspirations. So uh, Mr. Big Head is now uh, a corporate giant in Conglomo. Uh, but because of Rocco's rocket ship coming back down into orbit, back down into O-Town, he gets distracted for even a small little bit and makes a really drastic error. And so Mr. Big Head ruins Conglomo and uh, bankrupts Conglomo, which effectively... Uh, disrupts the entire economy of O-Town. And so now everyone's mad at Mr. Big Head. And Mr. Big Head has no one else to blame except for Rocco. Um, I don't even think it's really even connected. Like, Mr. Big Head doesn't make the connection that, oh, my error was only because of Rocco. Um, Anyway, Rocco's back, and he's trying to adjust. Heifer and Filbert uh, cannot get over the awesome technology that's around now, the internet, uh, instead of iPhones, there's O-phones. 
um, and uh, <laughs> Philbert creates his own YouTube channel where he's uh, Fishsticks96, uh, and he's like almost like a GoPro, kind of like filming his everyday life. Heifer is in love with like all this technology, like between VR and those hoverboard type things, and it, it's really hilarious. I love that, and in, in pretty much everything from like the trailer, they pretty much showed. Um, let's see. A couple of the greater strengths of it, like I said, was the writing. Uh, I mean, the writers were really paying tribute to the amount of fans that were still, for 20 years, wanting to see more Rocco. And Rocco was kind of, in the, sh in the show, I mean, sorry, in the movie, Rocco was kind of like a picture of us. Because here he is 20 years later, and all he wants is to watch the Fatheads. You know, it's his favorite show, and all he wants is, even though it's 20 years later and they don't really make it anymore, he just wants the fatheads. It's like, all I want, I just want to watch my show. Uh, I've, been a show I've been a fan of the show for over 20 years, I've been watching it for 20 years, and I, I love it, right? And so, like, Rocco is the picture of all Rocco's Modern Life fans. And so the writers wrote it, like, super meta, you know? And, like... And it's funny, too, also, uh, in this little bit of an Easter egg, another sneaky thing that, uh, like, really, like, the eagle-eyed watcher would see. Um, in the beginning, when Rocco watches the Fatheads over and over again, it's not like he's tired of it at all. Uh, he pulls out a VHS tape, and he pull throws it in the VCR. But if you didn't catch it, it was an orange VHS tape. And if you remember anything about uh, the 90s, you knew that those orange VHS tapes were always the Nickelodeon uh, VHS tapes. So that was a little nice little shout out to the Nickelodeon uh, orange VHSs. And so we have Rocco who teams up with Mr. Big Head who's, who says, you know what? I guarantee you if Conglomo uh, sponsors the return of the Fatheads, there are going to be so many fans out there who are going to love it uh, and it'll be something that'll boost the economy, and, uh, and O-Town will be saved. And everyone is behind him because there was, in fact, an audience out there in O-Town who adored the Fatheads. Um, and the reason why they needed uh, Mr. Bighead's help, or at first needed Mr. Bighead, Bighead's help, was because Mr. Bighead's son, Ralph Bighead, was the one who created the Fatheads. And again, that's a, a callback to another awesome uh, Rocco's Modern Life episode, Wacky Deli, where uh, Rocco, Heifer, and Filbert are all uh, working with Ralph Bighead in this cartoon company that uh, sponsors or you know produces the Fatheads, uh, and they need to create a new cartoon. Uh, meanwhile, Ralph Bighead is just uh, unsatisfied with his life with the Fatheads, and so he wants to just um, ruin the cartoon company and ruin the fatheads. Uh, that's a really awesome episode. And so at the end of that episode, Ralph Bighead goes away to try and find himself. And that was it. And so uh, Mr. Bighead, it, you know, fast forward to Static Cling the movie, Mr. Bighead informs Rocco, I don't know where Ralph is. He went to go find himself and I don't know where he's at. Uh, we get some postcards here and there, but if you want to try and find him, you can go find him. But you're going to have to search the world. And Rocco's like, well, how am I going to do that? Well, they're going to go travel by drone, and they're going to orbit the Earth again and travel and finally eventually find Ralph Bighead. Although, uh, meanwhile, Ralph Bighead is driving an ice cream truck 
uh, filled with uh, fat head ice cream bars, which I believe is a callback to the old ice cream bars that used to be uh, around back in the day. Um, and so I think that's kind of cool too. Um, however, we then find out, and I think this is one of the more questionable choices for the writers, um, we find out that Ralph, in finding himself, is transgendered. And again, oh, I'm so crap. I'm so sorry. I forgot to say spoiler alert. I'll say it again before um, we begin this episode, I guess. But spoiler alert, here's a big twist. Ralph is really Rachel, and he has found his truth and is living in his truth. He is Rachel Bighead. Um, and so he's like, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to do this my own way. And so there's a bit of the story, which I, in my opinion, just didn't add anything to it. It didn't contribute to already like a pretty cool story. But there's this moment where, you know, it's like, oh, wait, now it's about coming to terms with being transgendered, you know, which I guess is a more modern um, issue that I didn't know that was necessary to tackle in this movie. Um, but in any case, uh, without spoiling what happens at the end, overall, it was exactly what, um, fans of Rocco's Modern Life had been craving, but it was just very different. And if you watch the movie, then I think that that was the whole point, you know, that you can want something and be a fan of something for so long, but at the end of the day, you know, rebooting it or, you know, just readapting it to modern times isn't always the best. Um, I've read online that there was some uh, really questionable um, reviews of that. I don't know if it had anything to do with the whole Rachel Big Head thing, but at least for me, I can tell you, um, it was awesome seeing new uh, episodes or, you know, a new story and I, maybe there's going to be more where this came from. Hopefully, that would be really, that would be really cool. Uh, but at the end of the day, nothing can replace the original. And if, if, for, if not for anything else, I know that this movie just only strengthens my love for Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, it was a lot of fan service. Um, a lot of the writing just was just saying, here, we love you fans, and here's a lot of callbacks and a lot of the inside jokes that really only true Rocco's Modern Life fans would understand. Um, but you know what? That being said, uh, I think that they themselves were also trying to say, hey, you know what? We had a great time, too, uh, and here's where our writing has matured, and, and here's where our story with our characters that we've known and loved for over 26 years um comes to a close uh and if that's the case then you know what thank you to the team at nickelodeon and thank you to all those people who uh put in the time and the effort to make this movie happen uh i mean going through just most of fan reception i mean if you if even if you look at rotten tomatoes i believe rotten tomato score overall like the critic score is like a 90 but the audience score is only a 72 and so it's like it's very rare that you see it that way usually you see that the like the fan score is a lot higher than what the critic score was and so critically speaking uh it, it is something that was well received 
But in terms of the audience that's there hungry for more Rocco, it wasn't really what it was supposed to be in a lot of people's minds. Was it for me? Absolutely. I loved it. Again, like, it, I, I am all for... 90s culture 90s culture i have a bunch of t-shirts that are from like you know 90s nickelodeon type things that i got in the last couple of years rocco uh being a big feature of that um there was a lot of other really funny moments in the movie that i just loved oh my gosh the whole thing with spunky uh being addicted to like internet videos of uh mops uh that was a callback to an episode where spunky was in love with a mop you know and he just want he's just watching uh the laptop and just it addicted to the internet videos i'm gonna leave it at that uh and it's just of mops on mops dipping into buckets of water and it's just mops being mops uh and then later on in the episode or later on in the movie uh rocco receives another like almost like an amazon prime delivery uh but it's just a pile of mops and the delivery guys what a sicko you know, <laughs> so it was pretty funny. You know, there's a lot of things to to enjoy in the movie. So if you haven't seen it, I didn't really ruin the ending. Um, but just know that uh, it, it is a big I love you from the writers, from the creators of Rocco's Modern Life to the fans. And so there's no, in my opinion, there's no need for all the negative feedback. It's not what you remember. It's not. Um, what you're expecting for like the next episode like season six you know what i mean it's just it's just a way for them to say hey we remember rocco we love rocco's modern life just as much as you all love him um and this is a way for us to say thank you this is just a way for us to say we still love you uh and who knows maybe the journey's not over but all i know is at least for me from one huge Nickelodeon uh, Nicktoons fan to the creators, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, and there, that there you go. There, there is my review of Rocco's Modern Life: Static Cling. Uh, go check it out. It's on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, uh, sorry. <laughs> Again, I really do thank you. Uh, So that just about wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, I am pretty sure I'm going to be doing more episodes more often now that uh, you know work's going to be coming back. It's going to be more of a structured routine with me. And so I think that's going to lend itself to more episodes more often. Uh, my goal is to make it a bi-weekly show. Uh, but if it's not, then it is what it is. Uh, and until then, thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, don't forget to give me some feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, but until then, peace out, roommates.